Mr. Trump goes to Washington and was no match for the machine. Trump was nearing the end of a campaign speech for Marco Rubio in Miami, days before the midterms, when it started to rain. The MAGA faithful used their Trump signs as makeshift umbrellas. Trump's mic cut in and out. He could barely read the teleprompter. Is everybody having a good time, he shouted to the crowd. The answer came roaring back. They were having the time of their lives, even as thunder cracked in the sky and the rain came down in sheets. Covering Trump's head was the red MAGA cap, and Trump did something he doesn't often do. He took it off, smiled at the crowd, wiped his brow, and put the hat back on, and continued his speech. I'm not leaving, he said. The crowd roared. And we are a nation that no longer has a free and fair press. Fake news is all you get. And we are a nation that loves to be rained upon. Let's stay out here and go. Let's stay out here, right? I'm not leaving. We are a nation where free speech is no longer allowed, where crime is rampant and out of control like never before, and where more people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020. And we are a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon in China, to use the trillions of dollars it has taken from us to build a military to rival our own. And just two years ago, we had Iran, China, Russia, and North Korea in China. And they weren't going to do a thing against us, not a thing. Not a thing. Maybe it was the rain, thunder, or something else that made his speech one of the best speeches ever given by a politician. This is the greatest. This might be the greatest rally we've ever had. The music he'd chosen to close out his speeches might not always work, but this time it not only worked, it was some kind of crazy magic. Two years ago, we were a great nation. And we will soon be a great nation again. country and it 
those hardworking patriots like you who are going to save our country. Is anyone else seeing this, I wonder? I watch all of Trump's speeches and have since 2020 because I want to know what is true about what's said about him. Most of the time it isn't true. It's the usual delusion meant to drive fear and panic. The music served to raise the drama of the moment, his face soaking wet, his voice strong. I just kept thinking, how is it possible anyone who's gone through what he's gone through still have that energy in him, the fight in him, to stand there, rain be damned? There is no mountain we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is no challenge we cannot meet. There is no victory we cannot have. Is everybody having a good time? Is this- No one there had any idea it was all about to come crashing down. They didn't know that the midterms would bring disappointment. They didn't know that MAGA wouldn't be delivering that red wave as promised. They didn't know the GOP, Rupert Murdoch, Ben Shapiro, and other high-profile conservatives would turn on Trump and MAGA, or that Mitch McConnell would close the loop by saying, bad quality candidates frightened Americans. They knew none of this as the music played, the rain came down, and Trump moved them in ways no other politician ever had, at least not in decades. It was captured in time by the only streaming channel that plays all of Trump's speeches, right-side broadcasting, and maybe a personal cell phone video or two. One thing I knew for sure while listening to it, the mainstream media would never report on it. They would never tell the story of that moment in Miami when the rain came down and Trump stayed. Because we are Americans, and Americans kneel to God and God alone. Last night, Elon Musk reinstated Trump's account after two years without Trump's tweets. As you can imagine, chaos ensued. Powerful people don't like things taken away from them, And there has never been a more powerful propaganda tool for the establishment left than Twitter. It belongs to them, they believe, just like America belongs to them. They count on Twitter to be the official story of the Biden administration. A hive mind of press secretaries to make sure everyone is on point. They can't afford dissent. They don't mind that there are alternative sites like Substack or Rumble. They know the media only validates Twitter. Musk has taken the place of Trump because nature abhors a vacuum. There is a fundamental need for people to tell the whole truth and to hear the whole truth. No matter how inconvenient it is, Musk's takeover of Twitter has the machine quaking in its boots. How long before they go after him the way they went after Trump? Probably not long. Matt Taibbi has a great piece on this about witch burnings. And here's a tweet from Walter Kern responding to Sam Harris, who writes, The prevailing opinion among free speed absolutists appears to be that this platform, in order to become healthy, must helplessly publish the malicious lies of any maniac at scale, regardless of the consequences. Good luck with that. And Walter Kern writes back, Wrong. Illogical. Aren't you supposed to be a philosopher? Free speech absolutists don't subordinate freedom to health or any other value. If they did, they would not be absolutists at all, championing something for its own sake, but utilitarians of some kind. 
Yanomi Park escaped the fascist regime of North Korea only to come to America and find censorship and suppression of free speech. She is cheering Musk's action to reinstate Trump. Her tweet says, Wow, who knew that Twitter could have been a fun platform? It feels so amazing not to worry about getting banned with each word I write here. Thanks, Elon Musk, for freeing the bird and giving us our freedom of speech back. Trump's Twitter is important for history. He was our president for four years, and for much of that time, he used Twitter as his main communication outlet. That is also our history. It belongs to the people, even if Twitter is a private company. The government co-opted it, creating a filter to violate the First Amendment. Now they have to contend with Trump's last tweets, which might be tough to help them prove he incited violence on January 6th. We're looking at a tweet from Laura Logan that says, well, 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 look what we have here. Donald Trump from 1621. I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful, no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. And another tweet, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. Elon Musk is just getting a taste of the Washington machine, the same machine that has been trying to crush Trump and the MAGA movement for six long years. For a minute there, it looked like they were going to lose. The scrappy Davids were going to take on the Goliath and win. They were going to win without the big money donors, without the mainstream media, but just by hot-footing it door-to-door talking to people the establishment government has long since abandoned. The Long Con Regardless of what you think of Trump, there is no good explanation for the ongoing persecution to find something to remove him from power, discredit and destroy his presidency because the administrative state wanted him gone. Trump, or Elon Musk for that matter, isn't as pure and innocent as Jefferson Smith in Frank Capra's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, But this film, more than just about anything ever written, goes right to the heart of the matter. Released in 1939, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington was loosely based on the Teapot Dome scandal of the Warren G. Harding administration, which held its place in history as the biggest scandal in Washington prior to Watergate. Jefferson Smith is appointed to the Senate after the sudden death of one of their cronies. When he first comes to D.C., he gasps at the Capitol Dome and the Lincoln Memorial, and the weight of our nation's founding. He believes in all of it. He's a patriot and an idealist. And when the press mocks him for being nothing but a superficial yes vote and a puppet of the Senate, he tells Senator Payne, his mentor, that he'd like to write a bill for a boys' camp in the wilderness so kids from all different backgrounds can experience the wonders of the natural world to spend their lives like they just came out of a tunnel. That's what's got to be in it. What? The Capitol Dome. On paper? I want to make that come to life for every boy in this land. Yes, and all light it up like that, too. You see, you see, boys forget what their country means by just reading the land of the free in history books. When they get to be men, they forget even more. Liberty is too precious a thing to be buried in books, Miss Saunders. Men should hold it up in front of them every single day of their lives and say, I'm free to think and to speak. My ancestors couldn't, I can, and my children will. Boys ought to grow up remembering that. And and that that steering committee or whatever it is, they've got to see it like that. And I know Senator Payne will do all he can to help me because he's a wonderful man, isn't he, Saunders? You know, he knew my father very well. He did? Yeah. 
Yeah, we need a lot more like him. His kind of character, his ideals. Um, let's get on with this. Hmm? Oh, yes. All right. This camp is going to be out in your state. About 200 of the most beautiful acres that ever were. You've never been out in that country, have you, Miss Saunders? No. I've been over every single foot of it. You could have no idea. You just have to see it for yourself. I don't know. The prairies and wind leaning on the tall grass and lazy streams down in the meadows, angry little midgets of water up in the mountains, cattle moving down the slope against the sun, campfires and snowdrifts. You know, everybody ought to have some of that sometime in his life. My dad had the right idea. He had it all worked out. He used to say to me, son, don't miss the wonders that surround you. Because every tree, every rock, every anthill, every star is filled with the wonders of nature. And he used to say to me, have you ever noticed how grateful you are to see daylight again after coming through a long, dark tunnel? Well, he'd say, always try to see life around you as if you'd just come out of a tunnel. But when his bill threatens a network of corrupt politicians doing the bidding of a powerful oligarch named Jim Taylor, he's warned to step away, say nothing, and become just as corrupt as the Paynes and the Taylors. Why don't I this right? So you want to be a senator, huh? You go to build a camp on Willow Creek. See this deficiency bill? Section number 40, a dam going up where you think your camp's going to be. Ever hear of it? No. They read all about it in the Senate today, but you weren't supposed to hear. That's why that ritzy dame took you in tow. That's why they sent you here in the first place, because you don't know a dam from a bathtub. Go ahead. Be a senator. Try and mess up Mr. Taylor's little graft. But if you can't, and you can't in nine million years... Go home. Don't stay around here making people feel sorry for you. If you like business, you can pick any job in the state and go right to the top. Or politics. If you like being a senator, there's no reason why you can't come back to that Senate and stay there as long as you want to. If you're smart. Why, you take the boys here, or Joe Payne. They're doing all right. They don't have to worry about being reelected or anything else. They're smart. They take my advice. You mean you tell these men and Senator Payne what to do? Yes. Joe Payne has been taking my advice for the past 20 years. You're a liar. But Smith, like Trump, is an outsider. He can look at the game with fresh eyes. He defies their demands and tries to expose the graft on the Senate floor. Senator Payne then accuses him of trying to push through a financial scheme for his own profit. desire to be heard on section 40? I do, sir. Does the Senator understand he is limited to five minutes? Yes, sir. May proceed, sir. Mr. President, this section of the bill, this dam on Willett Creek is nothing Mr. but... President. A... May proceed, Senator. I refer to the bill he has introduced in this chamber for the creation of a national boys' camp. He named a certain portion of land to be dedicated to that purpose and to be bought by contributions from boys all over America. Senators, I have conclusive evidence to prove that my colleague owns the very land described in his bill. He bought it the day following his appointment to the Senate and is holding it, using this body and his privileged office for his own personal profit. 
None of it is true, of course, but the mechanisms in place are exactly what happened to Trump in his four years in power, and even the two years after. They hold Senate hearings to expel Smith from Congress with fake witnesses, fake handwriting experts, and a massive media machine to back it all up. Pardon me, Governor. What did you do when Mr. Allen brought this to your attention? Why, I consulted at once with the head of the Department of Records, Mr. Arthur Kim. Mr. Kim, do you remember recording such a deed? Yes. On the date set forth here, Mr. Kenneth Allen came before me to record this deed, sending over these 200 acres in the name of Jefferson Smith. In other words, a show trial like the January 6th show trial. They work a massive PR campaign to demonize and discredit Smith whose only crime was threatening their hold on power. Hello, Hendricks. Well, the chips are down. I want you to keep everything that Smith says or any other pro-Smith stuff coming from Washington out of all of our newspapers, do you understand? And out of all the others, you can line up in the state. Yeah. And those broken-down opposition papers, that cockeyed crusading bunch that don't want to play ball with us, I want you to tie up for 24 hours. Store their deliveries. Push them off the street. I don't care what you do. Just bury them for 24 hours. That'll give me plenty of time. And you, well, you defend the machine. Hit this guy. Oh, the usual thing, criminal, and blocking a relief bill and uh, starving the people. Joe, will you get back into that Senate? Uh, Hendricks, get the Hoyt Malloy excited. Have him send protests, letters, wires, anything you like. And buy up every minute you can get of every two-watt radio station in the state and keep them spouting against Smith. I don't care what it costs. Pay out. Come on, get moving. Get the whole state moving. When Saunders sees that Smith has packed his bags and is leaving town with a broken heart, she encourages him to fight back. What are you going to believe in? When a man like Payne, Senator Joseph Payne, gets up and swears that I've been robbing kids of nickels and dimes. Man, I've admired and worshipped all my life. I don't know. A lot of fancy words around this town. Some of them are carved in stone. Some of them... I guess the tailors and pains put them up there so suckers like me could read them. And then when you find out what men actually do, well, I'm getting out of this town so fast and away from all the words and the monuments on the whole rotten show. I see. When you get home, what are you going to tell those kids? Well, I'll tell them the truth. Might as well find it out now as later. I don't think they'll believe you, Jeff. You know, they're liable to look up at you with hurt faces and say, Jeff, what did you do? Quit? Didn't you do something about it? Well, what do you expect me to do? An honorary stooge like me against the tailors and pains and machines and lies. Your friend Mr. Lincoln had his tailors and pains. So did every other man who ever tried to lift his thought up off the ground. Odds against him didn't stop those men. They were fools that way. All the good that ever came into this world came from fools with faith like that. You know that, Jeff. You can't quit now. Not you. They aren't all tailors and pains in Washington. That kind just throw big shadows, that's all. You didn't just have faith in pain or any other living man. You had faith in something bigger than that. You had plain, decent, everyday, common rightness. And this country could use some of that. Yeah. So could the whole cockeyed world, a lot of it. Remember the first day you got here? Remember what you said about Mr. Lincoln? You said he was sitting up there waiting for someone to come along? You were right. He was waiting for a man who could see his job and sail into it. That's what he was waiting for. A man who could tear into the tailors and root them out into the open. 
I think he was waiting for you, Jeff. He knows you can do it. So do I. What do what, Saunders? You just make up your mind you're not going to quit, and I'll tell you what. I've been thinking about it all the way back here. It's a 40-foot dive into a tub of water, but I think you can do it. And with that, we have the now infamous all-night filibuster where Jefferson Smith, against all odds, attempts to clear his name. Mr. President, I wish to ask my distinguished colleague, has he one scrap of evidence to add now to the defense he did not give and could not give at that same hearing? I have no defense against forged papers. Committee ruled otherwise. The gentleman stands guilty, as charged. And I believe I speak for every member when I say that no one cares to hear what a man of his condemned character has to say about any section of any legislation before this House. Mr. President, I stand guilty as framed because Section 40 is graft. And I was ready to say so. I was ready to tell you that a certain man in my state, a Mr. James Taylor, wanted to put through this dam for his own profit. A man who controls a political machine and controls everything else worth controlling in my state. Yes, and a man even powerful enough to control congressmen. And I saw three of them in his room the day I went up to see him. Senator, you... No, sir, I will not yield. And this same man, Mr. James Taylor, came down here and offered me a seat in this Senate for the next 20 years if I voted for a dam that he knew and I knew was a fraud. But if I dared to open my mouth against that dam, he promised to break me in two. All right, I got up here and I started to open my mouth and the long and powerful arm of Mr. James Taylor reached into this sacred chamber and grabbed me by the scruff of the neck. President, a point of order. Mr. President. Senator Payne will state it. It was I who rose in this chamber to accuse him. He's saying that I was carrying out criminal orders on falsified evidence. No, Mr. President. He has imputed to me conduct unworthy of Senator, and I demand that he be made to yield the floor. Mr. President, I did not say that Senator Payne was one of the congressmen in that room. I was in that room. It's just the blood and bone and sinew of this democracy that some great men handed down to the human race, that's all. But of course, if you've got to build a dam where that boy's camp ought to be to get some graft to pay off some political army or something, lots of different things. Oh, no. If you think I'm going back there and tell those boys in my state and say, look, now, fellas, forget about it. Forget all this stuff I've been telling you about this land you live in is a lot of hooey. This isn't your country. It belongs to a lot of James Taylors. Oh, no, not me. And anybody here that thinks I'm going to do that, they got another thing coming. But the Taylor machine has the media and corrupt politicians in his pocket, and Smith is no match for any of it. Saunders even tries to enlist a youth army to print their version of what Smith is saying. But Taylor sends out his goons to silence them by destroying their bicycles, hosing down their parades, and derailing their efforts to get the word out. The result is a wrecked Jefferson Smith, who can barely stand by the end of it. He has won over so many, watching from the upper balconies, and certainly the chair of the Senate. Because this country is bigger than the Taylors, or you, or me, or anything else. Great principles don't get lost once they come to light. They're right here. You just have to see them again. But it's when Senator Payne brings in boxes of telegrams from his hometown, proving even those who know him now despise him, that he reminds Senator Payne he once believed lost causes were the only causes worth fighting for. And with that, he finally exhausts himself and collapses on the Senate floor. I guess this is just another lost cause, Mr. Payne. All you people don't know about lost causes. 
Mr. Payne does. He said once they were the only causes worth fighting for. And he fought for them once. For the only reason any man ever fights for them. Because of just one plain, simple rule. Love thy neighbor. And in this world today, full of hatred, a man who knows that one rule has a great trust. You know that rule, Mr. Payne. And I loved you for it just as my father did. And you know that you fight for the lost causes harder than for any others. Yes, you even die for them. Like a man we both knew, Mr. Payne. You think I'm licked? You all think I'm licked? Well, I'm not licked. And I'm gonna stay right here and fight for this lost cause. Even if this room gets filled with lies like these. And the tailors and all their armies come marching into this place. Somebody will listen to me. Racked with guilt, Payne attempts suicide before hurling himself into the chamber and confesses everything, vindicating Smith. But this isn't a Frank Capra movie. No one is going to confess to what they've done. They're going to play out the long con to the bitter end until Trump is destroyed and the grassroots movement of working-class voters is dead. That's what they want, after all, for this country to be like Twitter used to be. All theirs. Trump and MAGA were no match for the machine. Trump thought he could beat them, that he could give a press conference every day during COVID, and they would appreciate someone who devoted that much time to getting us through the crisis. Instead, they mocked him, cherry-picked everything he said, and continued to paint him as an existential threat. We needed our president during that time of crisis. We needed a country to come together. But to the machine... Their power was more important than anything else, even managing a global pandemic. Nothing would compare to what they did in 2020 and after that, and what they've done with January 6th. Now we're not talking about Trump being a target. His MAGA faithful are now being called domestic extremists and treated like enemies of the state. The bogus, seditious conspiracy charges were like a slap in the face to people who carry around pocket constitutions and stand in awe of the flag. Now we know January 6th was an FBI operation because of course it was. How could it not be? From crossfire hurricane to the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping, it was clear they had an objective to bring down Trump by any means necessary. They were willing, and are still willing, to weaponize the DOJ or any major government institution to stop Trump and MAGA. None of this means that Trump can win in 2024, and even if he could... He would only have four years, and they would sabotage him every step of the way during that time. If you want to blow them out of power, pick someone like Ron DeSantis. He will at least have the backing of the establishment right and all of their deep-pocketed players that Trump didn't have. Their long con worked. They did well in the midterms. Biden's ugly speeches made him the first president in my lifetime to demonize his own citizens. If you're looking for fascism... Look no further than that. Far from being punished for it, he was rewarded for it. 
So too were the Democrats for their immoral double standard of funding the same candidates they called enemies of the Republic. The truth doesn't matter. That's why they must keep control of Twitter. They want their negotiated truth to be the official story. They want to tell the history of Trump and the movement he inspired to make themselves the good guys. There might have been a moment way back when they actually were the good guys. Their corruption, however, now overshadows any good they ever did. Trump took his place behind the podium at Mar-a-Lago and did the only thing he could do by now to clear his name. He could either let them write his legacy or fight to take it back. And so he announced he was running for the third time. Of course they laughed at him. Of course their machine word to life as Merrick Garland announced a special prosecutor. Now they have to decide if they will finish the job, their long con, or if they will allow Trump to run again, knowing that their machine can beat him. I spent time in Trump world because I knew I wasn't getting the truth anymore about him or his supporters. I know what is true and what isn't. I have been moved by this scrappy group of outsiders who keep fighting no matter the cost. I don't know how they endure, considering they're treated like human garbage, shut out of American culture, mocked and ridiculed by comedians. I would be lying if I said my heart didn't sink when they lost in the midterms as badly as they did. It wasn't just that I felt badly for them. It's that I've seen Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Frank Capra believed in the America I believe in. The storytellers in Hollywood used to believe it too. They don't anymore. Emily Dickinson said, Hope is the thing with feathers. It's so fragile. It can take flight at any time, leaving you with nothing. I don't want to live in an America where the Paynes and the Taylors win. I want hope to be alive, for Smith to win. I wanted to see all of MAGA's efforts were not for nothing. I don't want to see them lose hope. What can I say? I guess I believe that lost causes are the only causes worth fighting for. Thank you for listening to my Substack, sashastone.substack.com. And remember, to thine own self be true.